You are listening to the 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we take 1% of our day, we study God's word, and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that he's given us. I am Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at soh.church. You can get our mobile app there, which is a free digital Bible that you can study along with us. Uh, you can also learn about our service times and join us sometime. Actually, it'd be awesome if you came out to visit with us. You can get directions there, or you can watch us on our live stream. We've got services going through the week and, of course, every Sunday. Uh, but without further ado, I want to dive right into John chapter 18. We're going to close out this chapter today. And yesterday, we studied the emotional moment where Jesus gets arrested after praying and petitioning God, praying for us, praying for his disciples. We see the imagery of him walking through the valley. And there's a stream there. We talked about it. We talked about how in history it told us that there was a stream that would flow from the temple in the valley of Kedron. And the blood from the lambs that were sacrificed in that temple would stain that water red. So as Jesus is walking right before he's being arrested, we can imagine that he's within the vicinity of the blood of the lamb flowing. And we know that those lambs that were being taken in some, some years, 265,000 or more being slain on those altars. And here we have Jesus, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The lamb that would be slain for sins forever. Who would be slain one time. Not for atonement, but for full forgiveness there. And he's arrested and he's dragged down. He's bound. He's slapped. His disciples follow at a distance. Peter turns his back on him, just like Jesus said that he would. And that takes us to where we are today. Jesus in the hands of the chief priests and the chief priests who don't have any authority to execute take him before Pontius Pilate. And Pilate is the governor of the region. The way Rome would rule, they would they, they would take over and control an area, and then they would allow that area to somewhat govern itself to some degree. But when it came to taxes and obeying and worshiping Caesar, you better get in line, otherwise you're in trouble. So here we have the Jewish leaders taking Jesus before Pilate, we find Pilate, a very powerful man, somewhat reluctant. Verse 18. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So, in the Jewish culture, you really couldn't enter into a house of a Gentile, or you shouldn't. It would make you unclean, so to speak. And they didn't want to ruin their Passover, so they stay outside. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, 
we would not have handed him over to you. So they're already ducking that question, right? He's asking if, what charges does he have? And he's like, don't just trust us. He's a criminal. (laughs) Verse 31, Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death that he was going to die. And Pilate, we know, was a man that truly existed. We know this because the Roman senator and historian Tacitus wrote about Pilate. Not only did he write about Pilate, he wrote about Jesus and confirmed that this event happened. Let's read what Tacitus wrote. Consequently, to get rid of the report, Nero fastened the guilt. Guilt of what? Guilt of the fire. There was a huge fire in the 60s AD. And the Christians were blamed. And there's a lot of debate about that. We won't get into that now. But Nero, the emperor, blames the Christians. Actually, that's where they believe Apostle Paul was executed with all this. But Tacitus, the Roman historian, writes about this. And it says that that Nero inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class of hated people for their abominations called Christians by the populace. Christus talking about Jesus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of the procurators, Pontius Pilate. So Tacitus here is writing about the death and crucifixion of Jesus at the hands of Pilate. Why is that important? It's because it's a piece of extra biblical testimony that proves that Jesus existed. And you will have people out there that will say that Jesus never existed, that this was all made up, that this, this is a fairy tale. But here is a piece of historical evidence. I thought it was important to point that out. But let's continue. And maybe I, I might jump back into another story about Pilate from history as well, but we'll see how much time we have. Verse 33, Pilate then went back inside the palace summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did you did others talk to you about me? Verse 35. Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, Pilate said. In verse 37, Jesus answered, You say that I am king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate answers in verse 38 with a question we should all ask. What is truth? And I don't know in the context he said that, whether he said it sarcastically, sarcastically like, what is truth anyway? Or if he legit wanted to know. But it's a question we should all ask. Because Jesus is telling him that I am here on the side of truth and everyone who listens to me is also on the side of truth. And if you remember throughout this whole time we're reading, 
in John 1, how does Jesus describe himself? Or how is Jesus described as the true light? When he feeds the 5,000, he's described as the true food. When he's near the woman at the well, she offers him a drink. And what does he offer her? Or say that she should ask him if she knew who he was to ask for living water. In John 15, he describes himself as the true vine. So throughout, all throughout this gospel, we see Jesus being compared to light, to food, to water, to vine, which means connection to God. And all of these things exist physically, right? Light, food, water, vines. But what Jesus is pointing out is I am the true, the real. That word true is aletheia. And aletheia means absolutely true. See, there's a, there is a difference between what is real and what is absolutely true. Or like we say at Sound of Heaven, for real, for real. Your feelings are real. Your circumstances are real. But what supersedes that are the things of God. See, everything that we see is temporary, but like the Apostle Paul says, what is unseen is eternal. So focus on the unseen. And Jesus is talking about a truth that goes beyond Pilate's understanding. Pilate wants to know what's physically real. Jesus says, I am the truth. And we know in John 14, he says, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. I am the way to the Father, says Jesus. So Pilate asks him, what is true? And I challenge you today to ask in every situation, what is true? Not what is real, not what I, do I feel, but what is true in this situation? And Pilate asked that question, and with this he went out to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But this is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And they shout, shouted, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. I want to take a few minutes and talk about this decision here. Because apparently it was a tradition that Pilate would release a prisoner to them. And here was an opportunity for them to release Jesus, for them to back up on everything that they were wanted to do. But they double down. And not only do they say, not Jesus, they say, bring us Barabbas. And Barabbas, as it said, was part of an uprising. Barabbas was a criminal. And the punishment for insurrection, which is what he would have been jailed for, is crucifixion. So he was headed down the same road as Jesus. And most likely, he was involved in an insurrection that resulted in the death of a Roman soldier. So he's a criminal. But they chose Barabbas. And his name is interesting. Nothing is by chance, right? His name is Bar-Rabban, which means Bar, son of, Rabban, teacher. It's possible that Barabbas was actually a relative or a son of someone who was part of the priesthood 
And if you know what was going on during that time, the Jewish people and Rome were at odds because Rome was constantly infringing. They didn't want to be ruled over, rightfully so. I mean, that's what they wanted Jesus to be, right? The Messiah that was going to free them from Rome. And Barabbas represented that. Now, what skeptics like a guy named Bart Ehrman, he's he's a, a skeptic of the gospel. They'll say that there's no way that Pilate, a Roman governor, would have had this type of tradition. But once again, I want to point to Josephus, the historian, who wrote about a an account where Pilate comes, I believe it was from Caesarea, and brings images of Caesar into the Holy Land, which was absolutely against Jewish law. And the Jewish people rise up, and Pilate looks to squash them, looks to looks to take them down, and he threatens them. And I want to read, I think I have it here. I'm just going to read straight from it. This is from Josephus, the Jewish War. Pilate also said to them that they should be cut into pieces unless they would admit Caesar's images and gave intimation to the soldiers to draw their naked swords. Hereupon the Jews, as it were, at one signal fell in vast numbers together and exposed their necks bare and cried out that they would sooner rather be slain than that their law be transgressed. And then it says, Hereupon Pilate was greatly surprised at the superstition and gave order statues should be removed and carried out of Jerusalem. Pilate backed down. So Pilate was a governor that definitely made exceptions. So it is absolutely plausible that this could have been in place. And what we do know from all of this and what we do know from record and what we do know also from other parts of scripture is that Pilate is in a situation where he is facing a lot of pressure because of this uprising. He's facing a lot of pressure from Caesar himself to get the Jewish people in line. Otherwise, he was going to have problems. And problems for a Roman official were not, hey, you're fired, or hey, you're dead. So the Jewish people, they choose Barabbas over Jesus. And I want you to think about this for a second as we close out here. Barabbas, the insurrectionist, who likely fought against the Romans, was exactly what they were looking for. Something to preserve their old covenant. Something to preserve their physical ways. Remember, Jesus was the Messiah that was different than what they expected. They wanted a ruler that was going to destroy their physical enemies. Jesus was the Messiah that wanted to heal their internal enemies, the things that held them back, the things that kept them away from God. And we could want to solve our external problems all we want. We love the quick fixes. Lord, fix my bank account. Lord, fix my relationships. Lord, fix my this, fix my that. And he will. But if you don't fix what's on the inside first, You're going to be right back in that situation. There's an old saying out there that says, everywhere I go, there I am. And I encourage you today to work on what's on the inside. And then the outside will take care of itself. Matthew 6.33 says, 
Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and then everything else gets added unto your life. So what is truth? What do we choose when we get the chance? Do we choose the quick fix? Do we choose the fixing of the physical problems? Or do we choose to allow Jesus to live in our life? Today, I just want to make the declaration, Jesus, we choose you. Just where you are, just say, Jesus, I choose you. Let's pray. And tomorrow we're going to get into John chapter 19. And we're going to move closer and closer to the cross. And tomorrow, Pilate makes his decision. And we know where it goes from there. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we just want to say this today, that we choose you. I choose you, Lord. I choose you, Jesus. There's nothing else to say. I choose you because you chose us. I love you because you loved us first. You showed us what it meant to love for real. You showed us the way, the truth, and the life. And we choose you today. In Jesus' mighty name. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church. Check us out at soh.church. You are listening to the 1% Christian. I'll see you tomorrow with John chapter 19.